Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Uh, first, I'd like to say I think that was maybe the most, most well prepared team of any team I watched uh, in week one. It's the TD Fanners. <laughs> The TD Fantasy Podcast. TD Fantasy Podcast. With your host, Paige Demakos, Jamie Eisner, and Jake Arians. I don't want to give Jamie too many props, but when it comes to being right, there's everybody else and then there's Jamie. Because what Jamie said about the Oakland Raiders pissed a lot of people off. And man, oh man, was he spot on. Yes, so everything I warned you about happening in Oakland is happening in Oakland. And it, it was funny to me because I want to give a special shout out to everybody that was either in my mentions or on Twitter in the first quarter of that Monday Night Football game. Because they clearly didn't watch the two previous night games and what happened early on there. And they forgot that you play 60 minutes of football. Look, here's this game went exactly like we thought they would. The, the Raiders couldn't get a ton of pressure. The Rams started slowly because they, they played – Negative preseason yeah, no snaps. Pre-season. And the second they actually started playing football about mid to late second quarter, they blew their doors off. So as much as the, the announcers love to talk about, oh, look at J- John Gruden's offense and looks like the game hasn't passed him by, that was great. They had a very good first couple drives and then it stopped. Listen, ESPN is a mouthpiece for John Gruden. They they put out a whole thing about the Khalil Mack trade to spin it in a good light. After the game, the quote from John Gruden was, we couldn't get enough pressure on Jared Goff, and we couldn't get enough pressure on the line. Hmm. I wonder why. I wonder why you couldn't get enough pressure, there was John. There a guy that played in Green Bay the night before that's that probably could have helped. That's, that's interesting, that, 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 that whole scenario. But we, we won't play, turn this into Return of the Mac and uh, play that song over and over again, although I want to. Uh, I'll tell you what I will get into, though, is the Rams. So they started slow. We said they were going to be rusty because they didn't play anybody. That goes to coaching as well. Yeah, I I think McVay got a little cute in the first half. I -hmm. loved Gruden's game plan in the first half. Play off the excitement. Keep it conservative. Hit a couple plays that you like. I thought his script was really well early. Yeah. Um, At halftime, I wasn't worried about Wade Phillips. But this is year two for Boy Wonder and Sean McVay. What was he going to do at halftime? He came out and said, okay, I'm giving my horse the rock. I'm going to play action off of it. I'm going to let some of the cuteness go. A lot of what I'd like to see Nagy do in Chicago. I love the creativity, but you don't have to reinvent the wheel to be really good when you have the pieces. The Rams damn sure have the pieces. They're going to be really good. They're a little thin at linebacker. The Jared Cook stuff, which we'll talk about, there's a reason. They don't have a lot of cover safeties that are going to play in the slot. They were a little thin at linebacker. Mark Barron wasn't playing. Ogletree's now in New York. You're going to see some of that, but they're really good on the outside. And Amari Cooper had one catch. So – that team is fine. They made really good coaching adjustments at halftime, which I was tweeting about. But that's exactly what we thought we were going to see. Yeah, but we were ex- – I would say uh, collectively we were excited to see the Rams be – show their potential in the second half. Absolutely, because we yes. didn't see them at all in the preseason. Zero. None. At all. So that was the biggest part of this was shake off the rust, which happened in the first half. And the second that this team started gelling, 
which was the second half, this team started kicking Oakland's ass. Yeah, talent, That's what started happening. Talent wins in the end more often than not. And we saw that once the Rams kind of woke up and went, oh, yeah, we're, we're playing real football now. They blew their doors off. And, and you mentioned Amari Cooper's one catch. I wanted to – again, that's another thing I've been on two years now on this. Amari Cooper is not as good of a player as everybody thinks he is. Bandwagon. Uh, in his last 13 – six of his last 13 games, fewer than 10 receiving yards. That's, I mean, that's is, insanity. They're not getting I'm, him the ball. I'm telling you now. I know how talented he is. He I'm not is questioning a talented his talent. Guy, but to your point, Odell Beckham Jr. was facing man-to-man with Jalen Ramsey and had a hell of a day. Yeah. You can't you, – You still got to go out there and perform. Now, part of that is coaching. They didn't throw it at him either. No. Like Jordy Nelson caught a bubble screen. Why would you not throw that to Amari Cooper who's younger, shiftier, better after the game? Some of that is coaching. I still think Cooper is going to be okay, but that is a shocking, shocking stat. Look, there's a reason this was one of my locks of the week and maybe my favorite lock of the week. I'll let Jamie yeah. talk about it. we went 4-0 and on our locks of the week of what we told you guys was going to happen. This was probably my favorite. and ex- mm-hmm. I mean, this was exactly what I thought I was going to see. We, we were standing at the Sportsbook at the Palms at the Fantasy Football World Championships in Vegas, and we were looking up at the big LED board, and we were trying to think of every reason why the Rams were only four-point favorites. I think it ended up going up to six by game time, but still, we couldn't figure it out. Yeah. This is at, at one of the best teams, if not the best team in the NFL on paper against a team that is a shell of itself. I know they're on the road. I know they didn't play in the preseason, but this was good. But we, we were great last week. I'm, I'm not afraid to say it, 4-0 uh, if you if you followed our picks. And you got them all for free last week. Got to see kind of that free trial of what TDFantasy.com looks like last week with all of our content, all of our picks. We're going to be doing that every single week, but now it's you have to subscribe to TD Fantasy Premium. So check that out on the website. You'll see all the stuff that you're going to get. We've got some great basis. ones for you again this week on Friday. Yeah, but four and zero. Let's get rich, people. That's a that's a good that's a good start to this NFL season, especially considering uh, how I saw some other people performed across the industry. Let's talk about the other uh, football game that happened on Monday night since we got into LA and Oakland. Let's talk about the New York Jets and the Detroit Lions. So let's set the stage here. Sam Darnold, rookie, throws an interception on his first ever pass. Pick, pick six. six. on his first ever pass. And then – Then what happened? Then proceeds to blow the doors off the Detroit Lions on the road. I was impressed. I can tell you I play in a two-quarterback league. I was very, very tempted to go pick him up, and I did. I picked him up this morning because I have Aaron Rodgers in my two-quarterback league, and I'm telling you right now, Rodgers is not – even 75%, and he's playing the Minnesota Vikings. Green Bay knows how difficult this division is going to be, and these matchups against each other matter. They're probably going to play Aaron Rodgers because we saw what Kaiser is. He's horrible. He's horrible. So if you have Rodgers, like I know Jake does, like I know probably everybody in this podcast either has him or knows somebody in their league, Sam Darnold is a really viable option. I think – he impressed. He's not somebody I'm going to have to start now, but he is somebody I feel, I feel comfortable with personally. And Jake, you can talk about this too. As somebody I, I'm stashing now, if injuries happen, bye weeks, that kind of scenario, especially when I know he's going to play the Buffalo Bills twice and he's going to play the Miami Dolphins twice. Those are going to be some nice matchups for young Sam Darnold. Yeah, a little bit of lack of weapons still, but he looked really prepared. He looked confident. He looked poised. And the skill set is there. He made some throws. He ran around. He looked athletic. Kept his eyes down the field. I mean, there was a lot to like about that. From the Jets as a whole, we just heard a very interesting quote on an interview we just did. The most prepared team that they saw in week one, I can't disagree with that. On the polar opposite of that, the Detroit Lions maybe looked like the least prepared team 
And all we heard about on that broadcast was the Patriot way. And we practiced this and we ran sprints after practice. Like who the hell does that? If you're not in high school anymore, that made no sense to me at all. Matt Patricia looked completely dumbfounded and bewildered on the sidelines to me. I think there's cause for concern in Detroit. Maybe not exactly with Matt Stafford unless he's not healthy because they've got weapons. They got to figure out their running game. That was a disaster for Detroit. Listen, there's a lot of offensive weapons from a fantasy perspective that people like. Golden Tate, Marvin Jones, Kenny Galladay. That running I think Carryon Johnson's going to be very viable later on if they figure out what they want. He's yeah. by far the best. They, they talked about it on the broadcast. He had a really good first series. He's great out of the backfield catching it. He's really good at running it. He's great in pass protection. Doesn't that sound like your feature back? And, Blunt, and then Blunt comes in and spells that. And if you want to play Riddick on third down or in two minute, okay. That sounds settled to me. How is it not already settled after a training camp? They've got issues. They got offensive line issues. Offensive line didn't look very good either. It did not. But if you're a Stafford owner, I'm not panicking yet. Not but yet. If, if you're in a 10-team league, you might want to start looking at some other options just to keep on your bench just in case. But – uh, you know, I take away from this game for me is one, I've really liked Isaiah Correll a lot. I know he only got 10 carries, but he did a hell of a lot with those 10 carries, scored twice. He's going to split time with Bilal Powell. It's just going to be a fact of life. But I think where he was going in fantasy drafts, he might be a play. I think he's going to sneak into the very back end of my top 20 this week in my rankings. I think he's a very viable starting running back for you or even a flex play for you going forward. Yeah, no, there's a lot to there's a lot to be concerned with. With I'm a Stafford owner in a ten team league, and I'm telling you right now, I'm going to get another quarterback. I'm not I'm not going to sit Stafford yet. But listen, he plays Minnesota defense twice, Chicago defense twice. Those matchups, I'm probably not going to start Stafford in this offense at least until they show me something better. Here's the good point of not having a running game. Not to cut you off though, and from a fantasy perspective with Stafford that I like. He's not going to throw three picks every week, but they're going to sling it. He, this oh, offense yeah. looks like they're going to be back to throwing it 50 times a game, and that's good from a fantasy perspective. Oh, and they're going to be in games that they're probably not going to be winning. They're going to have to come back. You could get some garbage points from that. Yeah, and listen, I'm, I've am i been a, a pro Stafford fantasy person for a long time because he was that guy, especially earlier on in his career. He was a better version of Jay Cutler, but threw a lot of picks – would make some bad decisions, but sling the ball all over the field. And listen, those wide receivers I just mentioned, they have a lot of offensive weapons to like. They have a lot to like. He's going to throw for 4,525 touchdowns. Yeah. It's going to happen. Yeah. That part doesn't bother me. Now, does he throw 12 picks or, or 20? 20? Yeah. yeah. That's that's the question. Yeah, and I think the, the question, not from a fantasy perspective, just from a football perspective is, how, like, you saw Matt Patricia's face. I can see it in my head so clearly right now. They, they pan to him on the sidelines, and he is looking. It's like the midway through the third mm-hmm. quarter, and it just looks like in his head he's going, man, I wish I was back in New England. They got outcoached, period. Oops, yeah. They got outcoached on both sides of the ball. The Jets were way more prepared. They had a better game plan on offense and defense, and he looked bewildered. He did not inspire confidence at all and, and looking at him on the side. And something to pay attention to if you weren't really following Detroit closely the last couple of years, they fired a coach that was well-liked in that locker room. Yeah. So we've already started to see some a little rumblings of, you know, we got out coached and that kind of thing. Just something to keep an eye on because I think this season could start to spiral pretty quickly. It could be interesting because if the Patriot way is my way or the highway, it'll be really interesting to see what happens there because it ain't going to be – he ain't getting chosen over Stafford. And we'll see who else in that locker room they want to make an example out of if it gets to that. 
That's an interesting one to pay attention to. No, there's already been multiple reports about issues in the locker room over the firing of Jim Caldwell from last year. And, you know, they won nine games. It's another split locker room as well. You kept Jim Bob Cooter on the offense because if it ain't broke, don't fix it. But he was Jim's guy. But that splits the locker room immediately. Yeah. Matt Stafford's going to Jim Bob. He ain't going to Patricia. That's yeah. exactly That's, right. It's going to be an interesting dynamic, but Patricia's tight with the gym. That's why he got the job, that, that Patriot connection. I don't like these situations. That, no. that splits everything in half. You don't have one chief. It's just it's something to pay attention to, but it, it did not inspire confidence. It's week one. I don't want to overreact. No, it's week we'll one. We'll see what kind of adjustments they make. But they got out game planned and out coached big time. Yeah, and it's just something to pay attention to as you're as a fantasy owner, as you're looking at these matchups and you're going, okay, 50-50 on a Marvin Jones and another player, yeah. well, let's say an Emmanuel Sanders. They were going at very similar times during the draft. Emmanuel Sanders' performance inspired a lot of confidence. Yes. Marvin Jones and the offense in Detroit did not inspire a lot of confidence. And we didn't like Detroit, or we didn't like Denver. And neither did anybody else. And they were playing Seattle. So I think this is just something to pay attention to as your fantasy owner. You want to see progress from this offense. Otherwise, you're going to have to find some guys you're going to have to plug and play here throughout the season. Uh, waiver tight ends. We have to get into this because I know that we've gotten we've got the news, obviously, on Delaney Walker. We touched on that at, on Monday out for the season. Greg Olson, same injury, same foot, going to miss a lot of time. I think it's at least 10 weeks on that one. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I don't see – that's kind of one of those scenarios that you, if you want to keep him – for a fantasy playoff, I think that's about where I would expect him to come back is for the playoffs. But do you want to keep yeah, a tight end on your unless bench? Unless you have an IR, unless yeah, you're you have an, an IR, IR spot. spot. Yeah, yeah. Not, you, you got it. You got to let him go. So, Jamie, I'll let you go first here. Who are maybe some waiver wire tight ends that that you see that you could go after? I'm going to give you my top choice, and I'll give you kind of a dark horse one. I think my top choice right now because Cook is taken everywhere. So, and I, those numbers are coming down. I'm curious to see how well Will Disley continues to play in Seattle because there are a limited number of pass-catching options there. And I think we have seen that Seattle tight ends can pop up from time to time into top 10 territory. I would pick him up just as a flyer and see over the next couple of weeks, is he going to be he, that type of a player? Is he going to be that involved in the offense, especially with Baldwin out, or is he not? The other one, I, I want to throw a flyer out there. Dallas Goddard got a lot of playing time in that opening game of the season. I want to see how much time he's out there because I think, especially when Carson Wentz comes back, that offense can sustain two tight ends putting up numbers. Yeah. No. I, I like that. That's a good one. That's definitely a dark horse. I mean, you and I watched that game together, and we were like, was that Ertz or Goddard? Yeah. I mean, we had to ask ourselves four or five times. I picked up Ebron uh, off the waiver wire as a backup. I have Jimmy Graham um, in that league. I, I like Jimmy Graham, but it, I, I got really scared that I was feeling like it was last year from a fantasy perspective that he's only going to get three catches and might be two touchdowns if they have red zone targets. They didn't use him between the 20s. I know Aaron Rodgers likes that, but they're playing a cover two defense. There should have been some open seams. They didn't even try to throw it down the seam to Jimmy Graham. That scared me. Ebron's going to be a great play in certain matchups. And if he gets some chemistry with Andrew Luck, because they can almost play him like a receiver. He's not going to be – Doyle's going to be the guy with his, with his fingers in the dirt on the line of scrimmage. But I can see Ebron playing at the same time, maybe in the slot on the other side if they have an injury, something like that. That's who I went with, but it's it's getting thin at tight end quick. Yeah, the guy that I picked up and I had to do it right away with a waiver claim was George Kittle. 
Uh, he in my ten team league, yeah. he wasn't he wasn't picked up. And you saw Jimmy Garoppolo really liked going to George Kittle, and I like to see that in the offense, and I like to see that from the tight end. So I think that's a good option if he's still available. It might be worth uh, taking a flyer on him. Oh, absolutely. He's a he's my number five tight end for this week. Uh, so if he's somehow still on your waiver wire, go pick him up. Uh, for the guys that are replacing the injured player, Jonu Smith, uh, I have him at like fifteen. I don't know what to expect from him. I, I think a lot of times we oversimplify things and say, oh, they're just going to put somebody else in and they'll be 90% of the player that was there before. No, there's Usually not the case. Two, not I, also one. I also don't know who's going to play quarterback this week for Tennessee. Also, I don't know if it matters because they've all sucked. <laughs> yeah, and then it goes back to coaching and matchups yeah. and what you see week to week and people are discounting how much strategy goes into, like, if you have Gronk or yeah. some of these guys, that is your strategy. For sure. Delaney yeah. Walker wasn't always a big piece of the offense. He was more of a safety blanket. Yeah. That one could be really interesting. And in Carolina, I don't know. I'll be honest with you. I don't know much about Ian Thomas, so I'm in wait and see mode on that. I can tell you this: he doesn't have the same chemistry with Cam Newton that Greg Olson does, I, and that with Cam is a giant, giant red flag for so, trying to start anybody else tight end there. So I don't suggest you try to outsmart your league by spending a lot of your fab budget or wave or one of your high waiver claims on one of those guys because I don't think they're going to be fantasy relevant week to week. Uh, guys, this is the time where we have the cheap plug. So Jamie, we let everybody know how they can subscribe on TD Fantasy and become a member, so they're getting all of the picks from. Both yourself and and Jake and and making sure that they're they're going four and zero every weekend like you two did. Yeah, so I go to just tdfantasy.com. Click on any story there at the top because all of our content now for week two is locked. Uh, so go click on that story. You'll have a little prompt that you can sign up for a monthly basis. You can sign up for a yearly basis. There's obviously a discount if you sign up for a year, and you'll get to see a list of every single thing that you're going to get as part of your TD Fantasy Premium subscription, uh, including some helpful fantasy advice on Sunday mornings in a private Twitter channel. So from Paige, Jake and I, so that's really important. That's personalized. That's personalized advice that you're just not going to get anywhere else. So check that out at tdfantasy.com and please subscribe to us. Yeah, absolutely. And give us a five star uh, on iTunes. That always helps the podcast rise to the top so that we can help everybody with their fantasy leagues. Jake, how can everybody follow you on Twitter and Instagram? Uh, Jake B. Arians on Twitter, Jake Arians on Instagram. And Jamie, how can everybody follow you? At Jamie Eisner on Twitter, J-A-I-M-E, and at Jamie Eisner on Instagram. And I am at the underscore sports page with an I on Twitter and Instagram. Guys, we have a very special interview coming up next. You guys get to listen to the one, the only, Coach Bruce Arians. All right, we have a very special guest this week that's going to be on with us every single Wednesday. Former Arizona Cardinals head coach. Uh, and uh, father to the man sitting to my left, uh, that is Bruce Arians. Bruce, Coach, how you doing? Uh, I, th- I think you are uh, just got done golfing, so you can't be doing too bad. Well, I'd be doing better if I didn't well, three-putt the, three the last time. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, that sounds about right. That sounds about right. But I, I want to start off with something with you because I was sitting at a Thursday night football game about two years ago, Arizona Cardinals, Seattle Seahawks, that ended in a 6-6 tie. And you just called a football game that ended in a that ended in a 21-21 tie. Is there anything worse in sports than ending in a tie? No. I, I can I can testify to that because the Kansas City Cleveland, God, nineteen eighty nine tie I was involved in. The Pittsburgh Atlanta tie I was involved in. So I've been involved in four ties, four of the last four ties, I think. And they all they are terrible. There's got to be a winner. I, I think, yeah, you got to stop with the ties, man. What's going on? You're, you're too many ties. 
my broadcast career luckily, started with the, an hour and that call. So tell us about the weather conditions. You called the Pittsburgh-Cleveland game. How bad was it? And from a fantasy perspective, people are going crazy with Ben and dropping Ben. Any concern for the Steelers' offense and Ben specifically? No, not at all. I mean, it was horrible. Uh, he, his history says he's great in bad weather. But, uh, you know, the wind picked up. It was rain nonstop. And, I mean, rain hard. Uh, so both those quarterbacks, they really struggled. Um, both of them got hit too hard. I, I thought both offensive lines were average because normally in the rain, you have all day to throw the football, and that was not the case uh, in that game for either offensive line. And he missed some throws I'm not used to seeing him miss, and he threw some interceptions I'm not used to seeing him do it. But, uh, again, it's it's week one. Coach, I want to talk to you about another quarterback you're really familiar with, Andrew Luck. First first starting game back in a regular season game in some time. He threw it 53 times. What did you see, and what do you think about his future? Well, I think his future is fantastic. He's healthy. Uh, like he always does, he, he had his team going down to win at the end and completes a big ball, and they fumble it and gets run back for a touchdown. I think if they don't fumble that ball, knowing Andrew, he's going to win the game. That's just what he does. Coach, I want to talk to you about a former coach uh, underneath you, Todd Bowles, and another young quarterback in Sam Darnold. Now, Sam Darnold throws a pick on his very first pass in the NFL, but then comes back and has a terrific performance on the road. I want you to discuss Sam Darnold and what you saw from him in a big performance in his first uh, real game in the NFL on the road in Detroit. Well, first I'd like to say I think that was maybe the most – most well-prepared team of any team I watched uh, in week one. The New York Jets were by far the most prepared, especially defensively. Yeah, Todd's been bragging and bragging about Sam Darnold and his resiliency. I don't think anything shows it more than, you know, you throw a pick six on your first pass. The only other guy to do that was Brett Favre. And uh, and then come back and just light him up uh, and have a great game. I loved his demeanor on the sideline. As the game went on, he never got real high. He never got real low. Even when they got it way up, he was the same guy on the sideline. I really liked that about a quarterback, and he was very impressive. Do you think he gets enough credit? Because the last few years, people have been very down on the Jets, and he's outperformed expectations there. Do you think now after that performance in front of a national audience on Monday Night Football, they'll finally get the credit he's due as a coach? I don't think it'll come until they get back to the playoffs. You know, he kind of took that team and tore it apart, and now he's rebuilding it in his image. Uh, and, you know, it was tough because, he, you know, he took over for Rex Ryan. They had some players, but the locker room wasn't his the way he wanted it. And I I, I give him all the credit because he took, the, he took the, the chance of maybe losing his job to, to get it the way he wanted. The Jets were smart enough to keep him. Now he's got a football team that's in his image, and it's a pretty good one. Can you add on to that? Just one quick question about one ownership, giving someone the time to do that, the patience to do that, which we never see in football anymore and having a cohesive front office or having the ability to build a team like that, where you have all of your pieces in place, not having somebody else's coordinator, somebody else's staff, all those kind of things. Speak to that a little bit. Cause I think we see this so often, this knee jerk reaction, we're going to fire the head coach, but keep the defense coordinator or make people keep, a staff, having a cohesive unit and, and allowing him the time to build this. Yeah, I think Todd and the GM have finally have seen eye to eye on what type of player we want as a team. And that takes a minute, you know, uh, 
the first couple drafts, it was, you know, we drafted a guy or two and it was like, man, I didn't really like the guy, but the GM did. So now after a couple of years, you guys get on the same page. You got a football team you believe in, your coaches believe in. And it's when you just have two people, a GM and a coach, that's really the only way it works. And it's finding, I was so lucky in Arizona because Steve Kime and I hit it off right from the bat. Same, same idea of what a player looked like and what we were looking for as a team. And uh, yeah, I think all owners right now listen to the fans. If the fans boot, they fire. Instead of giving guys chances to get their team together and make a run at it, it takes three years to build something from nothing. For sure. We, we saw that with you and your success in Arizona. So you've got the Oakland-Denver game this week. Uh, a lot of talk about Gruden coming back, the crazy contract he got, the Khalil Mack trade, uh, you know, them not looking very good on Monday night. Uh, talk a little bit about Gruden coming back, your expectations for that in this game as a whole. Well, yeah, I, I thought they, they played extremely well in the first half against the Rams. Then the Rams settled down. All the trickery was gone. Now let's let's play football, and the Rams are just too good. Uh, I, I was disappointed in David Carr's second half. I like him. I think he's a solid player, but he's a little bit roller coaster. He has been throughout his career. He's got to settle down and be more balanced uh, as a player. And uh, they're going to be beast mode. I mean, that's them. But there was absolutely no pass rush. And I don't think in the history of the game I've ever seen a coach make more than the best player. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's, that's a great point. That's true. Uh, you know, it's early on, but are you? Are there any handful of teams you look at and say these are teams that look primed to make a Super Bowl run this year? Well, I think you always start with the Patriots on, in the AFC, and uh, I still think the Steelers are a really good football team. I think the Houston Texans made a nice comeback with Deshaun when Deshaun Watson gets. Back in rhythm, I, I really and I, I think the Jacksonville Jaguars in the AFC, in the NFC, I, I don't, you got to start with the Minnesota Vikings. I mean, they that defense looks lights out. Kirk Cousins is playing extremely well. He's got weapons, although they have been hit hard in the offensive line with injuries, and that's what that's what de- separates all these teams. Come December is injuries. If Aaron Rodgers is healthy, you just saw what he can do, and. Uh, and I think the Rams. I think the Rams are probably the best team on paper in the NFC. Coach, one of the things we came to know and love about you was your affinity for quarterbacks. Now, we talked about Sam Darnold already, but who of the quarterbacks that came out of this class would you have loved to coach personally? Well, you know, I didn't really get to know them on, on a real one-on-one basis. I, I studied the film. I, I liked – all of them for some reason or another, but I never got in that one-on-one meeting for them to say, hey, turn me on, you're my guy. And uh, I, I like Baker Mayfield's grit. I, I, I don't like his stature, but I do like his grit. Uh, he, he showed up pretty decent in the preseason. I love Sam Darnold because he has the prototypical size and arm strength. Uh, the turnovers were a question mark, but Josh Allen, I don't, I don't, his accuracy bothered me. I love the size and the strength, but his accuracy bothered me. I thought Josh Rosen was probably the most ready guy. And the guy that intrigued me the most was Lamar Jackson. All right. Final question here. And we got to ask it. That is the Arizona Cardinals after your tenure here, uh, bringing a whole new staff, 
and they had a disappointing start at home to this season. Just give me your feedback on on what you saw and maybe what adjustments can be made going forward as they head into a tough game against a really, really good L.A. Rams football team. Yeah, and I think they're going to be coming out embarrassed. I mean, that that was an embarrassing performance. As much talent as on that team, and I don't, it'll start in the locker room. And they've got great leadership. Uh, I think I love what Coach Wilkes said. That they tried too hard, and that's a, that's a trademark of a new. You try to overdo it instead of just do your job. They just come back and do their job. It's an uphill battle against the Rams, especially on the road. But it, it's going to be a really tough fight. But they've got the talent in the rocker, locker room to get it done. Well, Coach, thanks for joining us. We're uh, we're happy to have you here every Wednesday, and good luck uh, calling Oakland and Denver. I know we'll be listening, and I know Jake will be there. So uh, enjoy yourself. I look forward to it. Thanks, guys. All right, we got Baltimore going into Cincinnati, Thursday night football. Uh, the score says Cincinnati is favored by one, but that's not correct. It's plus one Cincinnati. They're an underdog at home. Uh, Jamie, you said the line moved a little bit more recently. It was plus one and a half now. Plus one for Cincinnati. Baltimore obviously had a huge showing in week one, but against a very, very poor uh, Buffalo Bills team. Cincinnati looked good as well on the road in Indianapolis. Liked what we saw from them. I think we all thought in this room that Cincinnati's offense would bounce back, so it's good to see that. But let's talk about from a fantasy perspective. Let's start with Cincinnati. Let's start with the home team. Do we think that A.J. Green and Joe Mixon are going to continue this throughout the season because both of them had really good week ones? I go back to our preseason prediction with the Bengals and that they're going to be hit or miss. They can beat anybody on any given week. I go back to our Ravens prediction of they are solid. They're going to be in every game. They're going to play really good defense. You're going to start A.J. Green. You're going to start Mixon. I wouldn't feel great about it. This is not Indianapolis's defense. Uh, I would probably stay away from anybody else. I wouldn't start Andy Dalton if you're thinking about going that route if you already got a reason that you have to do that. Um, as far as the, you know, I, from a fantasy perspective, this defense for the Ra- or for the, yeah, for the Ravens is good. Now, I don't want to overreact to last week. They played the Bills, and they, but that's who they are defensively. They are just really, really solid. Alex Collins, I am excited and scared to death of what is going to happen there. Was it the fumble? Were they holding him out because he, they were winning by so much? That that one's really interesting. Crabtree is probably the only other option that I like in this game from a fantasy perspective. We'll, we'll pick the game in a minute, but Jamie, what do you what do you see fantasy wise? Yeah, fantasy wise, I, I agree with you. Uh, Andy Dalton's my number twenty five ranked quarterback this week. I'm not not playing him in this matchup. I think Joe Mixon will be fine. It's obviously a much tougher matchup than the amount of touches, right? Yeah, I mean, he's he, going to get talent and the amount of touches. He's going to get the volume. CJ Mosley chasing him around scares me a little bit on his yeah. run after the catch ability out of the backfield, that kind of thing. Yeah, I don't think it'll be an, an awesome game from him. But again, I think if where you draft him as an RB2, you'll be perfectly happy there. AJ Green, number eight. Again, I think you're going to – you're starting all these guys. That's not uh, – A little bit uh, touchdown dependent. Absolutely, I, I, especially I in this matchup. There's be a ton of targets and catches, but – but I agree. I mean, really nowhere else. Dalton's 25 for me. John Ross is outside my top 50. Again, he only had one catch. It was a touchdown, but one catch. I don't like Eifert this week. So you're probably not starting any of your Bengals unless you, again, already know that you're going to start Mixon and A.J. Green. Yeah, Mixon and A.J. Green are probably matchup proof at this point, both of those guys, especially if you're playing. Yeah, it's probably know. the worst matchup you have. Yeah, this is – listen, Baltimore's defense is top tier, but they're, they're – they let's temper the expectations from – they were playing a – very, very bad Buffalo team. Very, I think. I think Baltimore is going to continue to be really good. I just don't think that they're going to put forty 
plus points on teams. No, no, no. I don't. I don't think that at all. I'm just saying straight matchup wise. Yeah, straight. Really matchup. good fast linebackers, great secondary matchup corners. Yeah, that doesn't play into the hands of Mixon and AJ Green. For they sure. are going to get a pass rush on Andy Dalton and the Bengals defense. We'll see what they have. If the yeah. Ravens can run it, I feel pretty good about exactly what we're saying here. It's kind of one of these things that you can, you know what you're going to get from the Ravens. No, they're not putting up 40. No. But they're really solid and matchup-wise. It doesn't match up into the hands of the Bengals. Yeah, and this division always plays each other tough. This is always a good matchup. This is a fun one on a Thursday night, which yes. I can't always say that Thursday night footballs are great matchups, but this is a fun matchup that I'm I'm excited to watch from a fantasy perspective but more so just from a football perspective in this division. I have a question for, for Jamie. Okay. okay. Alex Collins, I just mentioned. Yes. Where do you have him this week? What do you see in this game from Alex Collins? So I have him at my number 22 running back this week. Uh, part of that is I still haven't lost faith yet. I think a lot of it, as you said, was the game plan after he fumbled the ball. I'm trying to throw out a little bit of how they ran that offense because they were up a bajillion points early, and they were and that game was – when you have two backup quarterbacks in that game, the third quarter – it's hard to get a feel. I still believe in Alex Collins' talent. I still think – again, it's not an easy team to run on, but I don't think it's a particularly – they're not running on the Browns, which, right. again, might sound weird to you considering what happened in week one, but that Browns defense the last couple of years has been great rushing defense. But uh, Alex Collins, to me, is probably a little bit more of a flex player if you're in a 10-team league, but an RB2 still in a 12-team in a league. You're still starting him this week. I don't think you should overreact. No, he's definitely startable in, in most leagues because most people are playing 12- to 16-team leagues. He's a guy that you want in, in the starting lineup. All right, guys, let's don't make start our... your flacco. Don't get cute. Yeah. Oh, please, quit playing fantasy football. Somebody... Start, don't get cute with some of these guys. Somebody, somebody tweeted at me. In single QB leagues, you're not playing Ryan Fitzpatrick. You're not playing Joe Flacco. You might not be playing Matt Ryan anymore. Listen. Well, you shouldn't have been anyway. Listen, but... I love I love, I love, love living in Arizona, and I'll always have love for the Arizona Cardinals. But I had some Cardinal fans that were tweeting at me that they had started Sam Bradford. In they a clearly did not league. read tdfantasy.com, which guys, I guys, like guys, 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 guys. Listen, I love, I love my team. I love Chicago. But if I have the opportunity to start Aaron Rodgers over Mitchell Trubisky, I like winning. Okay, so just make smart decisions because Sam Bradford should be nowhere near any starting lineup in a two quarterback league. I don't care what quarterback league you're in. Do not start Sam Bradford. For the love of God, they play the LA Rams this week. I had to get that out there because I got a couple of tweets about that, and I was like. Yeah, don't get cute. Don't start Joe Flacco. And, and please, please do not start Sam Bradford. Uh, but let's get back to this Thursday night football game. Let's make our picks. So, Jake, I'll let you go first. What do you think happens in this game, Baltimore, going on the road to play Cincinnati? I got the Ravens 24-20, and I feel pretty good about it. I just think they're better all the way around. It's not a good matchup for the Bengals. And going back to what I said about preseason predictions, a lot of that really still holds true. I think you still have a kind of a hit-or-miss team in Cincinnati who looked really good in week one, but I felt really good about that matchup. Uh, I know it's on the road, but this is an interdivisional rivalry. I think the Bengals, Bengals are better coached, or excuse me, the Ravens are better coached, even though they're on the road. I think they're more solid all the way around, and I still have big questions on this Bengals offensive line. They're better, but they still didn't look great, and that scares the crap out of me. So I've got the Ravens 24-20 on the road. I feel pretty good about it. Yeah, I have the Ravens 27-17 on the road. Same reasons. I, I Cincinnati's offense can be good, but their offensive line is concerned. I think their defense is way more has way more question marks than they showed in week one. And I think Baltimore is a good team. And again, ultimately, I think that defense will travel. And I know it's tough to go on the road on a Thursday night, but at least it's a little bit earlier in the season. And they basically got to take the second half of their last game off. Yeah. yeah. So I think that's going to mitigate that just a little bit. I like Baltimore. I think just Baltimore is a better I team. I think Baltimore goes back to what they do. They play a really yeah. good defense. They run it, run it, run it, yeah. play action yeah. off of it. John Brown looked healthy. There's a deep threat there. Crabtree, possession guy we've talked about. But if Alex Collins gets the touches and they just 
play to what they do, I think Cincinnati's going to turn it over, and, and I just I, I feel pretty good about this this pick. Yeah, you guys should feel pretty good about that. That's a, all the way around. I, I don't think I can pick Cincinnati to win this football game. It's got to be Baltimore, and I think 27-20 sounds just about right for this game. I could see it being real ugly, to be honest with you. I could see Baltimore going It's Thursday night. It's Thursday night, and weird stuff happens on Thursday night. Weird stuff happens on Thursday night. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.